Lakeisha Ikigwe, and you are listening to the Leader Thinking Podcast, Learn How to Lead Your Life, Business, and Relationships. I am so excited today to have a guest that is really in an interesting role. Her name is Pam Donahue, and she is the Executive Director for American Mensa. So, Pam, welcome to the Leader Thinking Podcast. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thanks, Lakeisha. It's great to be here. Thank you. So, listen, Pam, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? And uh, tell us what you do. Uh, my name is Pam Donahue. We've already kind of covered that. But I'm the executive director of American Mensa. And uh, Mensa is a international organization for those people who are highly intelligent. They have to score in the top 2% on a standardized intelligence test. And I've been the executive director for American Mensa, that's the American division, for um, about 17 years now. And it's, it's a new job every day, and I love it. Wonderful. So as the executive director, what, what, are, some of your, what are some of the things that you do? You know, it's really interesting. Um, we have 57,000 members in the United States, and a lot of what I do day-to-day is a lot like any other leader or manager in a business. You know, I deal with financial statements. I deal with HR issues. I deal with whether the printer printed something the right way. So, so many of those things are just, you know, pretty standard to business. But a lot of what uh, I really love about my job is the interaction with volunteer leadership at all levels. We have 130-some-odd chapters around the United States, plus there are other uh, men's organizations in other countries. And so understanding the people that are involved in this organization, the passion they have for it, uh, and the fact that it's their organization and they're doing it because they want to and believe in it, that's what makes this job really cool. I, I that sounds amazing and I it's interesting you said that there are uh there's a large volunteer community within American Mensa so I find that when when you have uh, a lot of vi- volunteers sort of um rallied around a particular mission or vision it it tends to expand and grow. So was there something about that? And then there's something that sort of draws them all together. What was it that kind of drew you to working with American Mensa? And what about the volunteer aspect of that? Because I'm assuming that you manage volunteers in your role as well. Is that correct? Uh, Yeah. uh, I I don't know that they they – think that I manage them, but um, I think when you are collaborating with a team, you're, you're always um, involved in that leadership aspect of things. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's volunteers in everything that, that I do and touch. Um, it, what drew me to Mensa uh, was, frankly, a really well-crafted and well-written uh, job, and at the time it was in a newspaper, that tells you how long ago it was, uh, ad that really talked about this organization that you needed a sense of humor and you needed to be able to have passion about things and get things done. And deal. And it just really explained how unique this organization is. Um, and And I've worked for other organizations that have maybe a – a more well-defined cause or mission, either because it's around a specific business or uh, uh, charity. But 
one of the things about Mensa is that there are so many reasons why people join this organization. And then there's so many more reasons why people participate and stay. And so part of my challenge is working with a whole bunch of people who, while they're passionate about the organization and what it does and how they can, can really um, make change, I think that they everybody comes at it from a different perspective. So part of part of the puzzle I have to deal with is what's what's the thing that gets that volunteer um, and keeps them going, and how do I make sure they feel fulfilled? Great, you actually made a very interesting. I love the story about how you uh, how Mensa described the position in the newspaper. I really actually love that. Um, you mentioned a really important distinction that I noted. And when I mentioned managing volunteers, the distinction you made was using the word you collaborate with them. And that's perfectly in alignment with the leader thinking philosophy, which is that leadership is a partnership. Um, so clearly you in, you know, as an executive director, you clearly have a leadership uh, position, but seeing that without these volunteers, uh, it would be much, much harder, if not impossible, to kind of do what you do. Using the word collaborative, I think, is really important, and and it's something that I think all leaders should strive to do. Let me ask you this. Do you have a mission statement for, for your role in Mensa, uh, for your other volunteer associations, and would you uh, explain to our listeners what are some of the organizations that you are associated with? Well, and you know, I, I thought, do I have a personal mission statement? And I've, I, you know, I've, I've written a couple over the years, but nothing just resonates me. But I think it's all about uh, bringing out the collective good in a team, uh, and, and that's kind of what it all boils down to. It could be probably sound a lot fancier, but I think that's what leadership is all about. And whether the team is the staff team I have here at American Mensa, whether the team is my board of directors that I work for with American Mensa, or I. I Serve uh, and have for years served on other volunteer organizations, and I've I've done everything from uh, be president of the band booster club for my daughter's uh, high school band, and, and that was just an incredibly rewarding experience. And then I'm also involved with my own profession, that of association management, and have served on boards and committees that way. And as an executive director, sometimes it's really important to take on that role as a volunteer leader because it helps you to remember what it's like to be on the other side of the fence. And I think that that's constantly something you have to remember is that it's a different role when you are on that side, when you're on this side, and, and understanding and, and appreciating and respecting that. Well, aren't you just a highly evolved leader? <laughs> Wow, I, I I just really everything that you're saying is just right up my alley. I just love it. It's the way leadership really should be. So, did you come to the way you lead or your understanding of leadership, your style of leadership? Did you come to that on your own, or did you have specific leadership training? Did you have a mentor? How did you come to have this level of awareness about leadership? Well, I think first of all, it's a continuous learning process. Um, I don't think you wake up one day and say, oh, look, I'm a leader. Uh, but I think one of the things that, that I learned early on is that you, you can't be afraid to fail. Um, 
and, and that you don't have to be in charge to be a leader. And so you combine those two things. And uh, so I've, I've been involved in professional development all of my career. Uh, I've had some incredible mentors uh, along along the path that have that have helped and guided me. And I have a, a pretty close knit group of people who I consider colleagues. Uh, that that we spend time together and that there's that opportunity to really learn from them. So I, I think it's kind of that that combination of, of activities that, that brings you to understanding what leadership is. And then sometimes there's just that ability to say, you know, I can articulate it really good, really well. I can articulate what my thoughts are on, on leadership, but then I have to make sure I do them because sometimes it's not as easy to, to do as I do as I say instead of as I do, you know, kind of thing. That's really true. And and I just want to take a moment here right now to highlight a few things that you said that I think seasoned leaders will actually sort of probably recognize and, and agree with. Uh, but new and upcoming leaders, I think you said some things that are noteworthy that I want to just really highlight in this moment. Uh, I wrote down four things. You said, number one, that one of the things that you strive to do is bring out the collective good in the team. And a terminology that I use for that that's kind of complementary to that is see see the collective wisdom in the room. Uh, just because you're in the front of it doesn't mean you're necessarily the wisest person in the room in every single area. Someone in that room uh, may have knowledge and, and skill set and wisdom that you don't have. So see the collective uh, good in the team. Uh, see the collective wisdom in the room. Uh, and well, and that's especially true with Mensa because everybody has a card in their pocket that says they're really smart. <laughs> Isn't that true? Um, so the second thing that I thought was really important is that you said that uh, being a leader is a continuous learning process. And all of my new, upcoming, recently promoted leaders uh, that are listening in please take note of what she said there. You are not going to know everything day one. You might have a new title, uh, maybe a bigger salary, and now people that you are leading. It doesn't mean that you're expected to know everything on day one. It is a continuous learning process, and it is a growth process. So I thought that was really great. Another thing is, and I'm going to do this in kind of out of order because I want to segue into the next point, but the next thing was you don't have to be in charge to be a leader. And one of the leader thinking concepts is that self-leadership is a form of leadership. Everyone leads every day, whether you lead other people or not. You lead yourself every day. So you don't have to be in charge to be a leader. Uh, self-leadership is a great way to eventually lead others, uh, but you don't have to be in charge to be a leader. I thought that was really profound. Now, the final thing you said that I thought was really important here is that you cannot be afraid to fail. And I personally don't even believe in the word failure, really, because I, I think anytime something maybe didn't go the way you thought it was going to go or um, whatever, it wasn't what you wanted or something like that, I think it is just an opportunity to try something different 
that now you don't have to waste your time on this thing that wasn't what it was supposed to be anyway. So I don't even believe really in the word failure. I see failure as opportunity. That said, Pam, I want to segue into another question, and I like to ask all of my guests this. Can you share an experience that appeared to be a failure that actually turned out to be a gift or a lesson for you? You know, I, I thought long and hard on this, and, and you, you, like everything, you tend to think about recent things and think, oh, that didn't go as well or whatever the case may be. But I really look back early on in my career, and, and it, I, there were a couple of different opportunities that this popped up, but there were times that I found myself working for, and I don't want to say bad bosses but in, in the particular case I'm thinking about it was I was I was it was before I was in the association management field and I was working for somebody who obviously um did not have a respect for women in leadership and it was from the the whole way he presented himself the whole way he managed there were a team of of managers that he that that we were all together and it was obvious that he favored the men over the women and it, and eventually I actually got fired from that job. Um, and it was one of those things that I still believe that was one of the best experiences. It was hard. It was really, really hard. But it was one of the best experiences I have ever had because it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me how I I deal with conflict. Um it, it taught me, you know, how to how to take, you know, something that was in some respects a failure, you know, nobody likes being fired and realizing that, oh, how do I turn this around? So uh, I firmly believe that. And then I think as a as a a manager of other people, when you are involved with managing the the actual physical day to day managing of people, uh, understanding um, that feedback loop and. You know, I think that managers who haven't had to discipline fire or have that hard conversation themselves, somebody hasn't done it to them, it, it becomes almost impossible for them to, to well manage a team. So I, I, that's where, you know, my learning curve comes in. And, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of those experiences and, and used them, I hope, as I manage people. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of people might hesitate to share a firing scenario. I'm so glad you shared that. It that situation was not the end <laughs> was not the end of the road for you. You know, sometimes when something happens to us, it really happens for us. And I know that that's so cliché, but I really do believe that. Clearly, that wasn't where you were supposed to be. And if you were in a situation where um that that manager uh, favored the males over the females, I can only imagine that there would have had to have been a lot of struggle energy. So accomplishing something probably took three times the amount of energy that it would have taken if you were in an environment that was enabling versus one that was the opposite of that, one that was a challenge and one that was filled with struggle. So thank you so much for saying that because anyone who may be experiencing um, a layoff or a firing or something like that and may feel that it's the end of the road, this this woman is now the executive uh, director of a global, the, the American um, Mensa, but it's a global organization with what, is it almost 150,000 members? Um, it's a little over 100,000 on a, on a global scale, so it's, it's huge around the world. 
Exactly. So take heart. I think, thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> Have you ever worked with a like a coach or a, a mentor or a mastermind group? Have you ever had any type of uh, guidance that way? Um, yes, uh, I, I've done both individual coaching sessions at various times in my career um, and have found the, those to be really helpful. Um, uh, I, I didn't have a formal mentor arrangement, um, but certainly have had some people that I consider to be my mentors, uh, you know, those people over the years that, that are part of my kitchen cabinet that I feel I can go to. And um, I, I've been very lucky in the association management profession, uh, what's, what's been more than 10 years ago now, um, I was selected to be a fellow for the American Society of Association Executives. Um, and I had been recommended for it, and, you know, I went through the process, and I, I really wasn't sure what I was getting into. Um, but what it was, was kind of a think tank, a mastermind group of uh, some of the, the the people who were both up and coming and very seasoned and very experienced in this association management profession, and I have to tell you, we get to, we get together at conferences all the time, but once a year, just this group find, goes has a has a retreat, a leadership retreat. We bring in speakers, we have topics, we spend time together, and it is the most incredibly rewarding opportunity for me every year. It goes on my calendar before anything else. Uh, you know, I, I would plan my daughter's wedding to make sure that I didn't have to miss this because it is so such a recharge for me to be able to spend three days with people that I can be truly honest with, open with. You talk about the things that didn't work. You talk about the things that did work. Um, I, I just, it, it's a really incredible experience whether you have one person like that or 60 or 100. It really is wonderful. Well, as as a coach and consultant, I couldn't agree more. And I I love the modality of coaching. It is, it is, I think just amazing because it doesn't take ownership of how the person does, um, but it helps them become their 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 best version of themselves and helps them cross over obstacles and you know perceived and real perceived or real challenges obstacles to get to where they want to be. So I'm a huge proponent proponent of coaching. I'm a huge proponent of seeking out a mentor. And in listening to what you said, I like what, what you said, that you didn't necessarily have a formalized mentorship relationship. However, you had people that you could call on, um, maybe with specific questions or specific scenarios that could help you kind of brainstorm solutions. So if for those of you listening, if you don't have a formalized mentor now, look in your network and, and see who you respect and trust and admire that you can call on and maybe even specifically ask them to be a mentor or let them know that uh, you really would like to rely on them uh, for assistance from time to time to just run ideas by them. But everyone should have someone that they can, that, that they can do that with. No None of our great leaders uh, have done it alone. And I just read an interesting article the other day, and I just shared this with another interviewee, uh, about now, for instance, Oprah, uh, her mentor was Maya Angelou. Um, Bill Gates, his mentor is Warren Buffett. Uh, my, um, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, his mentor was Steve Jobs. So people doing great things always have a person that they can go to uh, to to 
share ideas, to brainstorm, et cetera. And then I love a mastermind group. I just think it is one of the best scenarios. Exactly what you described, that support is priceless. And to be able to, again, leverage the wisdom in a room can be life-changing. Uh, I'm part of a mastermind now, and, and I just love it. It, it. it helps give you a perspective that you can't have on your own. So sometimes people see that as a sign of, you know, uh, not weakness, that's not the word I'm looking for, but a sign of, well, maybe if I'm a part of a group like this, the message is that I'm not good enough, smart enough, wise enough on my own, and actually the opposite is true. Um, Building community and support really shows, uh, I think, wisdom. Well, and and just on the other side of that, too, um, I'd had a couple of opportunities where people said, hey, listen, you know, we're we're trying to match up some mentors. Would you mind being a mentor? And I thought, oh, I'm not at a point yet. I don't I don't I don't have an I haven't done enough. I haven't created enough. And I'd, I'd finally, you know, had agreed to be a mentor in a in a fairly formalized program. And, and you realize that it's um, you can be a mentor at any stage in your career, and in fact, I like to think that there's a couple of people that are youngsters compared to me that I consider to be mentors because when you realize the different what everybody has to contribute and you realize how things have changed, I mean, I'm not a technological guru by any stretch of the imagination, but I really respect being able to sit down and have some great conversations with younger people who may be much more savvy on technology, but understand it from a strategic standpoint. So, you don't, you know, don't always think that a mentor and mentee have to be this older, younger kind of relationship. I think it can work, it can work in both ways. You know, I'm so glad that you brought that point up because I I couldn't agree more and ha- don't even have it, have anything to add to that. You perfectly. <laughs> I one of the things I share with people is, and also the mentor doesn't necessarily even have to be someone with this long list of degrees or this impressive title. Uh, I think about uh, sometimes indigenous peoples of 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 maybe let's say Africa. And when you think about the knowledge that they have of the land and, you know, natural cycles and, you know, how to survive in this situation or that situation, everyone knows something you don't know. Everyone does. And so know that everyone offers wisdom to you that you can make use of in one aspect or another of your life. So also know that a mentor can come in different different you know shapes and forms and uh different different places in the world and different different backgrounds and different cultures and and maybe not look like you know the um the CEO of this or that and still offer you a lot of wisdom so i also want to point that out just uh, along with what you so beautifully shared so have you I would like to know this. What would you say is the best decision that you've ever made in business and maybe the worst decision you ever made in business? You, you know, again, that was that was really um, a hard thing as, as we talked about, you know, thinking about that and, and what, what I'd share. And, and I would – I'm trying to pinpoint one. And, and it's really hard on both sides. And I suppose that's good because then everything kind of blends in. But I would say that the best business decisions that I kind of think back on in my career have a lot to do with, with hiring um, and, and picking people. And um, – 
I'm I'm I've just finished rereading again Good to Great. So I'm I'm in that kind of first who then what stage again where I really think about I think the most important thing is to find to to find people that fit your culture whatever that is of your business and then understand things like collaboration and understand things like teamwork because almost everybody can be trained to do whatever it is the nuts and bolts are. And so when I look back on best decisions, I would say they really surround whether I've made good hiring decisions, good promoting decisions, promoting somebody that maybe at at first glance shouldn't have been or didn't appear to be the right fit, um, and then encouraging them to kind of take those next steps. On the other side of the fence, I I would say that sometimes my worst decisions are not around hiring, uh, but just the the opposite. Um, I I think that uh, there isn't anybody out there who as a a, uh, leader or, or mentor or hasn't said, Oh, I can I can fix this. And so sometimes um, uh, trying too hard to fix a situation that doesn't work um, for the sake of one person, you know, you're trying to salvage them. You're trying to to find that thing that will ignite, reignite them, or ignite them. You're trying to make them fit. And and sometimes trying too hard um, just actually ends up harming everybody else because you're putting so much energy into that that you you lose energy and focus on the other things. So um, I I think that's it. I think the other thing in terms of of decisions, and it's not really a decision, it's more of a philosophy, and this comes to as a learning philosophy. When you see something that's not going right, and I'm not talking about a a personnel decision, but if maybe, you know, you've got a project and you see it's going wrong, um, instead of kind of forewarning people that things are not going to go as as planned or we might need to make contingencies. You try and, and do it all yourself and you kind of, you're that duck that looks pretty cool and calm on the surface, but underneath you're paddling like crazy. And and sometimes that can has, has backfired. And I think you've got to learn to kind of see, look long-term and see the potential things that might not go as planned and make sure you alert people before it happens. I'm a firm believer, and this goes back to some of my PR background, but I think managing expectations is critical. So, you know, you may have expected X, Y, and Z, and it may not quite be going to be that, but this is where it's going to be. If you manage the expectations of of all those people who, who might be disappointed if you don't make that, beforehand and then you actually do accomplish what you wanted they they see a that you're human they feel like they're in the loop and they respect whatever you accomplished so much more than if you'd just done what you said you were going to do in the first place so i think it's managing expectation and being open and honest with those people on your team whether they're above you below you with you um about where things could go wrong or things aren't going as planned i think being honest and open is is kind of critical too wow you just <laughs> So much rich content there. Um, I'm going to focus on one thing because everything you said was just amazing. But I just have been working with one of my clients. It's an organization that is under 30 people. So it's in between 20 and 30. And there has been, um, I want to I want to carefully state this, um, dissension in the ranks and 
it was surrounding whether or not there was going to be support of a particular leader. And my one question was constant. Will she agree to be led by you? And the answer was always no. And you can keep trying to bring someone along, uh, help them buy into the vision, help them buy into the bigger mission. But when it is clear by word, deed, or action that a person is not going to follow leadership, you've got to be mindful of that impact on everyone else within the organization. And sometimes we want to be nice. Sometimes we want to protect people's jobs. Sometimes we know that they have a family and, you know, they've got five kids and we don't want to put them in a position of struggle. But the organization also will suffer when the, the, there is um, – Kind of a renegade in the in the in the in the you know in the mix, and it isn't being uh, handled effectively. You cannot keep pumping the resources of you know time and energy, uh, which I find are, are almost more important than the financial resources that you pour into the individual because uh, energy then doesn't allow you to render your highest and your best service to, you know, your your customers, your clients, and your other staff. So I really appreciate you bringing that out. I think a lot of leaders make that mistake. They, they, they mistake being kind to one or, or maybe even being overly kind or sympathetic to one and, and not taking into consideration the entire organization and what that one I don't want to call it a bad apple there's a term for it but just just this one this one little uh problem uh, how how disruptive that can be to the to the flow of an organization energetically and then in the way the organization performs absolutely absolutely much for sharing that. So as we're wrapping up uh there are a few a few other things I'd like to know about you and I think these are kind of fun. What advice do you think, what career advice would you give your younger self knowing what you know now? I, I think I, one of the things I'd say is take your college education more seriously when you're young. And, and by that, I don't mean, you know, uh, don't enjoy the college experience. But I think uh, the opportunity for education when you're young is is really critical. So if it means um, taking that extra time to get your master's, trying to convince yourself to, to take time for education as you get older tends to be much harder, at least formalized education. Um, and I think that that goes hand in hand with I'm just a, a huge believer in investing in yourself with continuous professional development. And and that may mean, you know, uh, doing what excites you personally and passionately um, as much as it does taking a class or earning a certificate or whatever it is that, that keeps you motivated and, and moves your, your profession along. So investing in yourself and in education, both formal and informal, I think is, is kind of really something I wish um, I, had, I had learned earlier, I guess. Mm, I agree with that. Ditto. Great, great advice. And then you mentioned a book earlier, Good to Great. Uh, are there other books that you recommend or that you find uh, have helped you learn how to be a better leader? 
you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I read some of the, the most current business books. I, I really try and keep up with those. Um, but I'm a fiction reader. I mean, I love to read fiction, and it's my escape, and, and it's great. But one of the things I do since I read so much fiction is I, the key to me is you need to keep up with it. And, and today with our fast environment, the idea of sitting down and reading these business books, um, everybody can – it can be overwhelming. So I think I've also really delved into whether it be TED Talks or blogs or, you know, just making sure that you follow some people on Twitter that, that are kind of your personal cultivators of, of really good information and using and, and keeping up with that constantly. So I don't think there's a particular book, and there's certainly not a book that ever taught me about leadership. I think it's a learned experience. Uh, but I think that just, again, keeping current and keeping fresh with every and, – and just don't stay in your profession. So, uh, you know, if, if you know, read stuff that, that's happening all over and, and keep up. Great advice. Great advice. And then tell, tell us this. What, sorry about that. What are your fav- what are some of your favorite movies or what is your favorite movie? You know, that probably in all the questions you sent me, that was the one that just stumped me. Um and and again, I think it's probably uh going back to movies are my escapism. So, I, you know, I I love I love movies. I love going I still love going to the movie. I watch stuff on television, but I love going to the movies and that whole experience of sitting in the theater with the popcorn and the previews. Um, and, and for that reason, there's not a lot of movies I rewatch. Like, I don't get a DVD and watch it 18 times because I like things that I, I'm surprised by the ending or there's a twist. And once that happens, I have trouble kind of because then I want to dissect it and it just isn't as much fun. So I just, I really couldn't think of anything in particular other than the fact that I just love it to, to and I, and I like all genres. So, you know, I do some, a little bit of science fiction. I do romantic comedies. Um, I, I do some of the deep stuff. I, I love Loved, you know, recently, you know, everything from Gravity and Monuments Men to some of the stuff that that is kind of out in the independent. So, a little bit of everything. Okay, and and you know, it's funny. I understand that too. I am so focused on my work and spend so much energy in my in my clients' businesses that I was just talking to one of my clients about this last night. We were actually at an event, and as we were driving back home, I said, you know. Sometimes I just want to sit behind my computer and play Candy Crush and just look at little green and yellow and blue things and just have my mind go away. So I love the whole movie experience as well for the exact same reason. I just want to be transported somewhere else and not have my mind working out solutions to things. So. And, totally and what a nice opportunity to have somebody insist that you turn off your cell phone for an hour and a half to two hours, right? I mean, what a nice excuse. I cannot check my phone. I'm going to be off the grid. So it's kind of because it would be rude otherwise. So it's kind of that nice force to, to give you some time just to focus on one thing. You know, it's so true. I, I, fly, I travel a lot for work, so I'm on a plane constantly. And one of the things that I just get so excited about is – I'm not, and and now, of course, there is Wi-Fi on phones, but I have resisted, I mean, on airplanes, I've resisted signing up for that service because I just want that two or three or, you know, five hours, depending on where I'm traveling to, to just, you know, be in my head or just relax or actually have a conversation with a stranger. Um, you know, it's just, just to just to reconnect to me and to others. So, yes, I totally agree with you. Well, 
Cam, I can't thank you enough for sharing your incredible wisdom with me and my audience today. You have really given us some gems, and I know that my listening audience uh, will definitely take away and be able to use some of the things that you shared with them. I do have one other question. I wrote this down earlier. Uh, in, In order to volunteer with Mensa, do volunteers have to be Mensons? Um, in general, yes, but okay. but not always. And and there's a lot of other ways that our our chapters are involved, each at the individual level with their communities. So, for instance, you know, we have a lot of gifted youth programs. So for teachers who, who might be able to, to help out and coordinate with a chapter, um, that might be a great opportunity. There, there, there might be some other ways, like with, we have scholarship programs and, and we need scholarship readers. So there's always that opportunity, and who knows if you – if you ask to volunteer, then you might actually like it and join. And I think this is a really incredible organization that uh, offers a lot of things to a lot of people at all different levels. And so many people are intimidated by the Mensa thing, and it's really not intimidating. It's it's all just about finding your community. And in this case, the community happens to people who all score really well on tests. And so what would be the best way for our listeners to contact Mensa to find out if they qualify um, to be a Mensen, who should they contact, where should they go? Well, um, our website is a wealth of information, probably a ton of information. So finding uh, everything on there, including test scores and, and all that, is, is pretty uh, pretty easy, I hope. Um, and that's um, us.mensa.org. So uh, the Mensa.org will take you to the global website, and from there you can drill down to your country. But in this particular case, if you go right to us.mensa.org, it's our website, and it talks about events, it talks about chapters, and talks about how to join. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So for those of you out there, uh, check the website out. Uh, you may qualify to be a Mensa, and there I know there are uh, tests there that you can, I think there's a free test that you can kind of see if you kind of pre-qualify for or or something like that. But check out the, <laughs> check out the website. Um, and Pam, again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Um, Absolutely. I'll see you in July. And uh, take care and thank you again. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. The moderator has left the conference. The conference is now completed. Goodbye. Welcome to the conference. Please enter the conference ID, followed by the pound key. Thank you. Guest ID accepted.